name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. As we come before the Lord this day, we take a moment to call to mind our struggles with sin, but also we call to mind the overwhelming mercy of our God who heals us. Look upon us, O God, creator and ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy, grant that we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi, Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and rise after three days. And he spoke this openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this, he turned around and looking at the disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever w- loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Sometimes it's possible to answer a question both correctly and incorrectly at the same time. And there can be a number of reasons for this. But we can do this. We can answer a question both correctly and incorrectly at the same time. So if someone ever asks you, do these pants make me look fat? There's a correct, there's, there's an answer you can give to that that may be correct and incorrect at the same time, you know, for different reasons, for maybe emotional or factual reasons. Or another way this can happen is I can answer a question both correctly and incorrectly if I don't actually understand the fullness of what's being asked there, if I don't understand the language really well. I've seen this at work with uh, some of my my foreign students who are just learning English, right? So they just come to this country, they're just learning English, and then they start studying philosophy, like that has its own language anyway. And so a lot of times they may know they've heard these phrases like substance and accidents or like all these different like technical terms of philosophy. They've heard the terms repeated over and over, so they'll memorize the terms, but they don't really know what they mean. So they can give you the term on the exam. It's technically a correct answer, but you ask, what do you mean by this? They're like, I'm not really sure. This is just something you keep saying, right? So, um, So that can happen. I may give an answer that is technically correct, but I don't understand what it is what I'm saying when I say this correct answer. Or I can give an answer that is uh, 
that is either, that can be correct and incorrect, uh, because it's based on a, a cultural understanding. Different people in the culture understand the, these phrases differently, right? So, uh, take the phrase, that is sick, okay? Culturally, that can mean two different, very different things, and it depends on body language. If I'm stern, and I go like this, that is sick. That means, that's super bad, all right? But if I'm like happy and I go, that is sick, that's like super good, right? So uh, one, some, someone can offer this phrase and it may be correct or incorrect based on the cultural understanding of things, right? So yeah, language is complex like that. And Peter runs into this problem today. Uh, not so much the first one. Jesus isn't asking, does this tunic make me look fat? But uh, the, the other two are definitely present here. So one of the problems is, Jesus is revealing to his disciples the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, they are foreigners in some ways to that kingdom. They've been so immersed in the kingdoms of earth that they are foreigners to what God's heavenly kingdom actually looks like. So they've heard these terms of like son of man, Messiah, even king of kings. They've heard all of this stuff and there's a certain meaning they know of. Uh, they, they, they understand that phrase, but they, they misunderstand the meaning behind the phrase because they're, at this point, kind of foreigners to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is just beginning to re- reveal to this, this to them, and they're almost learning a new language. Even more importantly, they are culturally foreign here. So they've, they've grown up in uh, having these like romantic notions of the former glory of their kingdom under David, when David was like this mighty conqueror and then Solomon had this glorious expansion, they have, they have that deep in their imagination. And then they also have centuries of understanding of, uh, of uh, powerful other kingdoms knocking them down, you know, uh, Babylon, Greece, Persia, uh, sorry, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, now Rome, you know. So they have those visions of what a kingdom looks like and what a, what a heroic figure should be in those kind of kingdoms. And so that's what the culture around them is screaming at them, both their religious culture interiorly and the, the, the strong secular culture around them. They're both giving them these, these very grandiose, very might-makes-right-oriented ways of thinking of, about kingdom and Savior, and Messiah, and all these things. So when Jesus comes, he he says, so who do you say that I am? Peter gives an answer that is both correct and incorrect. It is correct because Jesus did come to be the anointed one, the chosen one of God, the Messiah, the Savior, the the, the Son of Man from from the book of Daniel, all these different things. So that part, he got the vocabulary word right. But culturally, and from his place in this earthly kingdom, he has no idea what that means. And so when, when Jesus goes on to explain what that means, you're right, I am the Christ. I am the servant of all. I am the one who will suffer for the sake of you. I am the one who will be despised by many. When he starts explaining all of that, Peter's like, time out, that doesn't make sense at all. That's not, that's not what I've ever heard about this. No, that can't be you. Jesus says, in fact, it is. So who do you say that I am? You need to get not just the vocabulary word right. You also need to get the understanding of that right. And each one of us has to pass through this 
as Christians? Jesus confronts each one of us with that question throughout the course of our lives. Who do you say that I am? And we respond as, as faithful Christians, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God, you are Lord of my life. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus, I, what I think I mean by that is you're going to pave the way for me. You're going to make my life easy. Er, that's not necessarily going to happen. That's not necessarily part of that definition. Well, Jesus, what I think you mean by that is uh, you've, you've called me to be among the favored people and uh, to, to kind of shun, shun away from the disfavored people. Er, it's nothing like that, you know. Who do you say that I am? Each one of us has to answer that question pretty sincerely from our hearts, but we need to ask Jesus' help to answer that question because we get a lot of cultural pressure around us to answer that incorrectly. Who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. That means you're the one who, who uh, lets everyone live however they feel like living. Er, doesn't look like that, you know? This is really important. Jesus asks each one of us throughout the course of our lives, who do you say that I am? And it's important that we allow him to teach us what he he wants us to know about him, because then he's going to flip the question around on us. And he's going to say, have you ever ever inquired of me, who do I say that you are? That's the next point. Once we get once we get the right Jesus, once we get the right understanding of what it means that Jesus is Christ, then he teaches us who we are. When Jesus reveals to us, yeah, I'm the one, I'm the one who gives meaning to suffering, who doesn't run away from it, but who allows it to, uh, who, who comes to contemplate it and allows it to kind of shape other parts of my life. Jesus becomes the artist who uses sometimes the the deeper colors of suffering, pain, and struggle to continue to paint a beautiful portrait of life, a beautiful portrait on the world. He endures suffering, bringing transformation where he can, but also just finding meaning in it in other ways, in in, in these mysterious ways. He says, "I I want to teach you how to bear your struggles with grace, and to find redemption even in the midst of that. And he says, I want to teach you how to be selfless. I want to teach you the mission of your life, how to spend yourself. That's what it means when he says, now that you know who I am, I want to teach you who you are, right? And sustain you on this mission, help you to see your meaning, help your life to become uh, the fullest of what it, what it was always meant to be. Help you to realize how good you are. Help you to drown out the, the, the other cultural voices that would say otherwise, that want to keep you uh, pressed down or want to keep you feeling like you're not enough. He says, I want to teach you something different about yourself because I know what you were created for. So these are really important questions. Jesus says to each one of us, who do you say that I am? And we need to make sure that we allow, uh, allow his guidance and his church to help us to see who he really is and to get rid of all the diminished, insufficient images so that then he can teach us who we really are and bring us to our fullest flowering as human beings and as a Christian community.
So Lord, we come before you today kind of a clean slate, ready to learn from you. We ask you to open our contemplative hearts and help us to very sincerely, very openly, very receptively look into this question, who do I say that you are? Who do I say that you are, Lord? Purify my image of that. And then help me to listen when you tell me, who do you say that I am? Take my heart, O Lord, take my hopes and dreams. Take my mind with all its plans and schemes. Give me nothing more than your love and grace. These alone, O God, are enough for me. Take my thoughts, O Lord, and my memory. Take my tears, my joys, my liberty. Give me nothing more than your love and grace. These alone, O God, are enough for me. I surrender, Lord, all I have and hold. I return to you your gifts untold. Give me nothing more than your love and grace. These alone, O God, are enough for me. Loving God, we ask you to help us to see you and to see your saving help in action in response to these prayers. Help us to discern how you are moving and acting in our world and to delight in your goodness for us. For we make all these prayers with faith and confidence in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the working of this heavenly gift, O Lord, we pray, take possession of our minds and our bodies so that its effects and not our own desires may always prevail in us. And as we mark the 20th anniversary of the fateful events of September 11th this weekend, we pray a particular prayer upon our nation. O God, creator of all peoples and all nations, hear our prayers for the people of a fallen world longing for your peace. Hold in your loving hands all those who have died as victims of hatred and those who mourn their loss. Strengthen the hand of those who defend us, those who bring healing and comfort to the afflicted, those who respond to danger and whose courage keeps us safe. At this time of remembrance, help us to remember with love and compassion. May we grieve with those who still mourn. May we ease the burdens of those who cannot forget. May we draw strength from those who bravely responded and those who gave their lives so others could live. May we stand with those who are living in fear. May we remember, O oh Lord, your faithfulness and trust in your unfailing care. In their name and honoring their memory, enable us, O oh God, to put an end to fear. May we resolve 
to live lives of integrity, countering vengeance with justice and hatred with peace. In times of darkness, make us sources of your light, resolved to live as God's people, protectors of freedom and guardians of hope. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go forth now glorifying the Lord by your life.